I have a slight cold, so you'll bear with me. I have my uh, my cough drop, my tissues, my water, and my extra pair of glasses. Not sure why. Um, Two battleships assigned to the training squadron had been at sea on maneuvers in heavy weather for several days. A man serving on the lead battleship was on watch on the bridge as night fell. The visibility was poor with patchy fog, so the captain remained on the bridge keeping an eye on all activities. Shortly after dark, the lookout on the wing reported, Light bearing on the starboard side. Is it steady or moving astern? The captain called out. The lookout replied, steady, captain, which meant they were on a dangerous collision course with that ship. The captain then called to the signalman, signal that ship. We are on a collision course. Advise you change your course 20 degrees. Back came the signal. Advisable for you to change course 20 degrees. The captain said, send. I am a captain. Change course 20 degrees. I am a seaman second class, came the reply. You had better change course 20 degrees. By that time, the captain was furious. He spat out, Sen, I am a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. Back came the flashing light. I am a lighthouse. They changed course. <laughs> this is similar to how we deal with God's authority. We resist it to our own peril. This morning, I would like to talk about authority, about Christ's authority over us and our response to it, to encourage us to submit to his good and loving authority. We were created to be under God's authority. God's authority through Christ is the best place for us to be, both now and for all eternity. His great love for us was displayed by his willingness to die in our place for our sins on a cross. First, I want to give a little context. Uh, if you haven't done so already, uh, the text is Mark 11. Um, I think it's on the screen, too. Yep, it is. So if you want to follow along, that would be great, because we're sort of going to go line by line here. So the context before what we're going to get to is Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem on a donkey, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. This is the final week of his life on earth, the earth he created. It's Monday. On Friday, he will be crucified. Jesus knows that the Sanhedrin and elders of Israel are planning to kill him. He is at the height of his popularity. Whereas he usually tried to keep a low profile, he is now going very public in Jerusalem. It is the time of the Passover, a feast and celebration that actually points to Jesus Jesus is the true Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He knows he will soon be rejected and crucified. The situation is dire, but all is going according to the divine plan. The story of redemption is unfolding. Pray with me. Lord, work in our hearts today. Speak to us through your holy word and through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at Jesus, his kingdom, and his authority in this morning's passage. Mark eleven twenty-seven to 33 says, 
And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people. For they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So let's start at verse 27. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. Let me say a little bit about the chief priests, scribes, and elders. First of all, they were constantly dogging Jesus, questioning him, trying to embarrass him, trying to trick him, trying to discredit Jesus publicly, and generally looking for ways to kill him. They were willing vessels used by Satan and his minions to thwart Jesus and his mission. They were maniacal and duplicitous. They were enemies of Jesus. But unwittingly, they were used by God to further unfold the story of redemption by turning Jesus over to be crucified for the sins of the world. They didn't want the truth about Jesus. They were stubborn, unbelieving hypocrites. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things or who gave you this authority to do them? First, let's define authority. Authority is the legal power or right to command or act, the right to to determine or decide. A couple examples, a prince over his subjects or parents over children. We all know different authorities in our lives, police officers, our boss, a teacher, all have a certain amount of authority. That's a pretty normal question or obvious question. We often think or ask in many situations. They want to know Christ's authority to do these things. Suppose you came into worship next Sunday and saw me with a chainsaw cutting up the pews. You would want to know what authority or right I had to do these things. This is what the religious leaders want to know from Jesus. What power or right do you have to do all these things? First, No one on earth has ever had the kind of authority that Jesus has or had or still has. He has ultimate authority, absolute authority, divine authority, and he exercised it. Jesus never asked permission or or approval from anyone to do anything. Let's take a look at what the Bible says about Jesus' authority in other places. He exercised authority over doctrine and demons. Mark 1.27 tells us, And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. He displayed authority to forgive sins, authority to save. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. He displayed authority over disease and death. Authority to judge. John 5.27 says, And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. 
He had authority to give up his life and to take it back again. John 10:18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. And the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 1, 21 to 23 about Christ's authority. It is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So one interesting thing that I want to look at is Jesus' authority when it comes to teaching. It's very interesting. Mark 1.22 says, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. We sometimes wonder, well, what does that look like? How did, he, how did they know he was teaching as one with authority? Well, 75 times in the Gospels, Jesus uses the phrase, truly, I say to you. Or he would say, you have heard it said, but I say to you. What he's doing here is he's pointing to himself as the authority. Rabbis and scribes and teachers, they didn't teach like that. They referred to others and what others had said. So suppose we're at a, a members meeting and we're discussing a maybe a uh, the heat pump situation. And uh, I stand up and say, truly, I say to you, we should have this heat pump or uh you have heard it said that we shouldn't have this heat pump, but I say to you, we should. You probably wouldn't uh, like that very much. And that's uh, not something that I can do because I don't have authority to do that. But Jesus did have that authority. The only authority in Christ's life was God's will in the spirit's power, which he knew and did sinlessly. And he was the only one who has ever done so. So back to verse 28. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Well, what are the these things that they are referring to? Well, Jesus just came into Jerusalem on a donkey and was being proclaimed their Messiah. He was accepting worship and praise and honor from the people. Perhaps the most egregious thing Jesus had done in the eyes of these hypocritical leaders was that he assumed and exercised authority over the temple. He cleared out the Gentile prayer area in the temple, knocking over tables and um, not letting people use the temple as a shortcut to get to the other side. Because instead of a place of prayer, it was a place of corruption and money-making. You can hear the aggravation in these religious leaders' voices. By what authority are you doing these things? Essentially, they were saying, who do you think you are, Jesus? You see, they hated Jesus because he was not of their corrupt religious system. He never consulted or asked permission of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, or the rabbis for anything. Jesus acted solely on his own authority. Jesus said and did whatever he wanted to say or do. His actions were always right, true, and perfect. He had ultimate authority and power. In fact, he rejected the Jewish authorities altogether. He never consulted them because they were corrupt. They didn't represent God. They didn't know God. They ran a corrupt religious system 
They ran the temple and turned it into a robber's den. They had no real authority or power. They were illegitimate. They were enemies of God, enemies of the truth, enemies of the gospel. Jesus acting without their permission or approval was a massive blow to their spiritual pride, to their privilege and power. Everything was going fine until Jesus came on the, came on the scene. In their eyes, what Jesus did in the temple was blasphemy. It was blasphemy that he would assume authority as Messiah and assume authority over the temple. But in reality, they were the blasphemers. They were acting against God and against his will. This is one of the final confrontations that Jesus has with the religious leaders. It was intolerable in their eyes because the people were choosing Jesus's authority over theirs. They had already concluded three years ago that Jesus was from Satan and that he had a demon. Even though he did everything to prove he was Messiah, the Son of God, if they had paid attention the last three years, then they would have realized that Jesus had answered the question of his authority in multiple ways and multiple times throughout his ministry. Well, how did he do this? How did he answer their question? Well, there's many different ways. I'll, I'll list a couple or a few. God the Father bore witness of the Son and his authenticity in an audible voice from heaven, declaring, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's in Mark 1.11. He fulfilled hundreds of messianic prophecies. He showed his authority over nature, calming storms, walking on the water. He showed his authority over disease and sickness, over death. His miracles, feeding the 3,000 and the 5,000 with fish and bread. He showed his authority over demons. Ultimately, he proved his authority and divinity by rising from the dead, conquering sin and death. Proving he was indeed the one who was in charge. Notice the reply of the king in verse 29 to these duplicitous leaders. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. Notice his wisdom and authority and control of this situation. So, many, so much of what we know of Jesus and his character and his teaching comes as a result of confrontations from the Pharisees and the Sadducees and religious leaders. So they were used by God. Um, I don't think they were willing, but... God did use them. He is constantly confounding these religious leaders. He answers their question with a question. He directs them back to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was sent by God to attest to and authenticate the arrival of the Messiah, the one true king. Jesus and John the Baptist are a package deal. You can't have one without the other. And Jesus knew this. Jesus had put them between a rock and a hard place. Verse 31, and they discuss with one another, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Very disingenuous. They didn't want to have anything to do with John the Baptist, and they didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. 
Were they really interested in finding out if Jesus is the Messiah, the King of Israel, the long-awaited promised one? No, and Jesus knew this. Jesus asked them a question, which would answer their question. He exposes their hypocrisy with one question. If they answer John's baptism was from earth, the people would turn against them. If they answered from heaven or from God, then they would have to admit that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. Jesus knew they were afraid of the people instead of having a fear of God. If they had feared God, they would have feared Jesus. They feared the people because praise of men was everything to them. They wanted prestige, honor, title, and recognition for themselves. And Jesus was making them look bad. They knew they had to turn public opinion against Jesus in order to destroy him. Verse 33, so they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Here is the great condemnation of the Pharisees. Jesus says to them, essentially, I am thrilled with you. You're not entitled to any more information. You know, God's grace does have its limits. If we keep rejecting the light, ultimately the light goes out. In the following chapter, chapter 12, Jesus tells a series of parables, which are judgments and condemnations directed toward the Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. Well, let's face it. It's easy to pick on the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, elders of Israel. But if we're honest, we all struggle with God's authority in our lives. I know I do. It's a struggle, but if you know Jesus, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have been given a new heart, a heart that wants to bow to Jesus' authority. Our lives should progressively be becoming more and more under Christ's loving and good authority. If you're here today and you do not know this gracious, loving king who has all authority, I invite you to bow to him by faith today. Put your trust in what he has done on the cross for you. He had the authority to lay down his life for you, to take your place on the cross for your sinful rebellion against him. He took your punishment. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, he perfectly submitted to the Father, to the Father's loving, good authority, and he earned righteousness. He went to the cross so that we could be forgiven of our rebellion and sin. He wants to give you his righteousness. You see, you can't work your way into his kingdom. You can't be good enough. We are all born traitors and rebels against Jesus the King. But he has made a way back into his kingdom, back to him, by simply repenting, which means to turn from your sins. And next, turn to Jesus. Place your faith in him as Savior for your righteousness, for your salvation. Come, now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. There may not be a tomorrow. For there are eternal consequences for rejecting the king. This king has authority over life and death and heaven and hell. God sent his son the first time to die on the cross for our rebellion against him. But he is sending his son again 
to judge all those who refuse to come to King Jesus, who refuse to accept by faith this gracious gift. Don't be like the religious leaders that follow Jesus around for three years only for the purposes of discrediting him. They had the Son of God in their presence and only wanted to destroy him. John MacArthur says, quote, Don't ever get to the place in your life where God says to you, I have nothing more to say to you. Don't ever become comfortable rejecting Jesus Christ. You never know when the Lord will say, I am through. End quote. Believers, those of you who have come to Christ the King and trusted him as your Lord and Savior, remember every day that he is our king. So what kind of authority does Jesus exercise over us? Well, he exercises loving authority toward us, sacrificial authority, good authority, the best authority, and a perfect authority. How does Jesus exercise authority over us? Well, that could be a sermon in itself. But let me give you some examples. First and foremost, he exercises his authority through his word, the Bible. Therefore, we must study it, read it, meditate on it, hear it, and speak of it. Believers, are you studying God's word? Are you letting Jesus exercise his authority over your life in this area? But he exercises authority in other ways, too. King Jesus is in control of all things, including our lives and the circumstances of our lives, even through difficulties and trials. Just like Pastor Blake is going through a trial right now, the Lord is still in control. He's still king. It hasn't taken him by surprise. And he has a plan. And many of you in your lives, maybe it's a work situation, a relationship, uh, whatever it is. It may be hard, it may be difficult, but the Lord is still your king, your loving king, and he loves us. Are you trusting him? The local church is a primary way Christ exercises his authority in our lives. He is the head of the church. The church is Christ's idea. He created it. Many times today, people want Jesus, but they don't want his church. Have you committed to a local church by becoming a member or have you rejected Christ's authority in this area of your life? Are you saying to God this far, far and no farther? Jesus exercises his authority through parents over children. Children, teens, are you rejecting Christ's authority in this area of your life? Remember, God's authority is good and loving and perfect. Finally, Jesus exercises authority by speaking through us, through his people. We have authority. It's a delegated authority. Remember that he delegated his authority to the apostles. They had authority over demons, disease, to preach the gospel. They did signs and wonders and miracles. Yet we, too, have been delegated authority here on earth to proclaim the truth We speak with authority when we speak what God has already said. We can't say, truly I say to you, but truly God says to you. John MacArthur once again, quote, 
We can speak into all the chaos and confusion of the world. We can say, truly, God has said. The most important thing that can happen in the world is people hear the truth. The only place they are going to hear it is through the instruments in which he has deposited his spirit and his truth. End quote. If we have the Bible, we have truth itself. We must speak the truth with grace, authority, and with love. Speaking and proclaiming the gospel is how disciples are made. Romans 10:14. we were talking about evangelism a little bit, which is part of discipleship in Sunday school. It's very good. And Romans 10:14 says, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Also, speaking the truth to one another is how we grow and mature in Christ. Ephesians 4.15 says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And I'll leave you with this. The Great Commission, Matthew 28.18. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to, to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, help us to bow to your authority, to realize that that is the best place that we could ever be and that we're not good authorities over our own lives. We make a mess of things. We need you. Lord, make us faithful communicators of the truth and bold witnesses for you. Save those who have heard the truth over and over again. Would you save them before it's too late, before the light goes out? Put your fear in them so that they may run to Christ for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.